Welcome back to another episode of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come together to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all other people at the table. I'm your host, DM Mitch, and today we've got a special guest. DM Neil and myself are joined by none other than B. Dave Walters. And we're going to be taking some time and talking about the cleric class, both from the position of being a DM who has players at the table that are playing clerics, but also as a DM who may be role-playing clerics as NPCs. It's a fantastic discussion. I can't wait for you to get into it. Before we dive in, though, we have a Apple Podcast five-star review. This review comes from JK underscore 313 and is entitled Delightful, five stars. Delightful 5e D&D podcast would recommend. The obvious troll is being obvious in their one star review below so you can safely ignore their weird tantrum. Five stars, two thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. (laughs) Fantastic, thank you so much JK313 really appreciate uh your review your support of the show and uh we're we're not going to give uh airtime to that uh to that one star review but we will say that when we did receive that one star review we at the show decided that it was a badge of honor for ourselves that we got that one star review but anyway thank you for your five star review for supporting the show we appreciate it without any further ado let's get into this episode Let's get into the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. So today on the meat, we have a very special guest. I'm super excited. We have B. Dave Walters, who is Victor on L.A. by Night, freely on Silver and Steel, writer and co-creator of D&D's A Darkened Wish. You got to add that a <laughs> D&D's because it's official like a referee with Pinky a whistle. Up, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Done. Mm-hmm. 100%. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank, thanks for coming on. Yeah, we're pumped I'm, to have I'm, you. Like I said, I'm very excited. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. For anybody out there who isn't familiar with you or maybe just wants to know a little bit more about you, can you answer that age-old question and just tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you? Uh, first of all, I object to the fact that this isn't video. I wore pants for nothing. For nothing. <laughs> do, do you know how hard it was to get this Strahd von Zarek uh, a culturally appropriate tux, like steam cleaned in time? Like this, I, I'm, I'm wearing an ascot sir and ask god for nothing um b dave walters i say words about things i'm i'm literally somewhere seven days a week doing something and there's so many things that even i can't keep track of all of it um i (laughs) am a streamer and a content creator i'm a a writer i've I've written movies i've written tv uh right now i'm crowdfunding for a documentary called dear america from a black guy uh which is pinned at the top of my twitter at b dave walters um, but I think I'm first and foremost a storyteller and lifelong geek. Fantastic. There are so many things, so, so many things that I can see on your Twitter that I love, but I'll, we'll even focus in a little bit more. So is there anything that you're currently working on, and we have to put the caveat, that you can talk about that you want to share with our listeners? You know, this since uh, spoiler alert listeners, I'm speaking to you from the recent past. Uh, I am going to be doing uh, a show for Dimension 20, side quest, uh, where we are returning to Leviathan uh, with Mercer and Marisha and Christina Ariel and Abri Iyengar and Carlos uh, Lunes and uh, DM'd by Brennan Lee Mulligan and me playing a terrible, terrible bugbear killer. Uh, so so that is a lot of fun. That's uh, you, you guys are really going to enjoy that one. That one, um, honestly, pending when you're seeing this, is probably going live about the time you're seeing this. If not, it's going to be going live soon. Uh, so that's dope. Uh, a couple of other things that are in the pipeline, uh, but haven't necessarily happened yet. I think by the end of next, by the time this goes up, then we probably will be have finished season two of Dungeons and Dragons: A Dark and Wish. But of course, you could catch up to it on YouTube if you haven't seen it. The streaming show, which is a direct um, in continuity tie-in to the comic series. Um, 
And yeah, I'm like NDA, NDA, NDA. Yeah, stuff, stuff. Mm -hmm. Follow me on Twitter. Yep. Stuff has happened. And hey, That's it was fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah, there. <laughs> now you know. Oh I'm my going. gosh, <laughs> you you won't believe it. Yeah, right now, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm storytelling uh, a outbreak undead game uh that is a limited run a werewolf the apocalypse game that is a limited run uh dungeons and dragons of dark and wish which is a full season but we're through six or seven episodes so it's it we're, we're in the home stretch there i think that's everything uh and then i run about <laughs> six to ten patreon games and, and more so oh and then there's silver and steel like you said freely uh, on tuesdays and then uh ascension which is thursday mornings but i play in those so yeah, yeah. It's a task. It seems to re even remember all of the uh, <laughs> the dude, things you have I, going on, huh? I I make zero expectations <laughs> that people keep track of where I am and what I'm doing because I find it difficult to keep track of where I am and what I'm doing. And I came right off of one game to do this, and then right after this, I have some phone calls, and then I'm going into another game tonight. And this is supposed to be my day off. So hey, that's that is my. <laughs> I, life. I feel like the best analogy is that you are that restaurant that everyone goes to. But then you talk about it and you're like, I don't, what, what do you mean he, he writes a darkened wish? I've, I've never even heard of this. And you're like, I've only seen him on LA by night and I love it. And you're just like, well, then you've got to read a darkened you, wish. You know, it, it is an apt parallel if the restaurant was like the freaking mall food court. <laughs> I'm, like, can, hey, I'm like, can I interest you in overpriced pizza? Perhaps. <laughs> You would like some more chicken over here. There's also I've got these these wicked Philly cheesesteaks. I too. feel like Although this, I, but weird... I'm like rocking the hot dog on a stick hat, <laughs> like the the is the whole time. Yeah, I feel like this weird oh. hypothetical situation that we're painting is the perfect segue into uh, the last part um, of this interview section, which is asking you a surprise question, one that comes from one of our Patreon dragons. This one comes from. Mindweave RPG and the question that Mindweave RPG would like to ask. So this is like we're we're diving really right into role play territory here. Let's do it. Uh, so you are a retired adventure. Whatever whatever fantasy world, whatever sci-fi world, whatever you want to choose for this role play experience, you are a retired adventurer with children. Uh, your elders your eldest wants to take up the life of an adventurer do you discourage or do you encourage them to get into that lifestyle oh encourage encourage no life 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 is all about uh the pursuit of glory and i would not take from them uh the the things that shape me and quite frankly i have kids and i have kind of lived this where it's like my job is to make it easier for you than it was for me so whatever you want to do i would enable it <laughs> i would uh, I, I would hope i would hope my children uh would, would follow me uh in, into the 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 mystical arts you know not just a pure fighter or a rogue they would always nice. know that they're you know but um See my library of books. Yeah. Learn from yep. these. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. hey, like the question even implies, you are retired. So you've made it through your adventures intact. Mm -hmm. So hey, go forth, children, right? No, that's the riskiest decision you can make, though. Being a parent of an adventurer, whoo, that's rife for DM strife right there. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I I appreciate um, uh, the, the, the idea that... Um, I don't know, man. It's not not to be too meta, but it's like you got to enable your kids to be your own people, their own people. You just kind of have to just hope that uh, you can um, point them in the right direction and be like, hey, maybe skip the Mines of Moria. Maybe don't go that way, <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe, you know, one of my favorite quotes. And I just looked this up yesterday because it was in, a, in, a, in an article I was, I was writing for a book submission because, of course, it was. Um, one of my favorite quotes is, I judge you unfortunate because you have never lived through misfortune. You've passed through life without an opponent. No one can ever know what you're capable of, not even you. Uh, that is by Seneca, uh, the Stoic philosopher. And I love that so much. I love that so much. So that's, I'd be like, yeah, no, get out there. No, you're, you're not going to be a scribe. You go do a tour in the Fantastic. world, you know, and then can then come back and we'll, we'll raise a cup together. I love that you also added in just... And I hope that they become a scholar of the magical arts like like yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, also. Hope, hope. Do yeah. not force. 
Yes, of course, of course. So thanks for that oh. answer, and thank you to Mindweave RPG for that fantastic question. Thank you, Mindweave. So we're going to jump into it, and as I was setting this up, I realized that despite having an entire run of episodes devoted to classes, we never decided to make a name for it, so I came up with the idea of calling all clerics. So you all voted, and we are going to be talking about clerics today. Um, so one of the first things we like to do when talking about classes is just the history of clerics, our own, or what we can pull from Dungeons and Dragons. I will say what the common misconception about clerics is that um, they're nothing but heal bots. Um, clerics are one of the strongest classes in the game, mm. uh, and, and they always have been. Uh, I think the most time I played a cleric was actually um, in Pathfinder. Uh, I played a cleric that went into the uh, um, multi-class with uh, Inquisitor into Grim Harvester, I think it was called. Gray, no, Gray Warden, uh, something like that. But the whole point is they kind of were uh, uh, almost like fanatical in their pursuit of justice, that they were they were Rorschach. They were like, there is good mm. and there is evil, and that is it. Uh, and that's what that character was. She was just a wrecking ball. Uh, and I loved it a lot. Um, you know, especially back in like 3.5 days where you had level nine casting, which of course was game breaking in its own right. And then you fought as well as a fighter. So you fought as well as a fighter and cast nearly as well as a wizard. Um, and, you know, God's help you literally if you were fighting the undead. It, it was fantastic. So I think... Um, realize there are much 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 more than band-aid dispensaries and if you're healing in combat you're probably walking up your action economy anyway unless one of your companions is down <laughs> yeah it's unfortunate that they get a bad rep i would say that uh there's too many groups out there that there's almost this like character creation night comes and people look around and they go oh like nobody picked a cleric again and there's like this group dissatisfaction of that because they go, ah, oh, but we need a healer. But there's that mentality of nobody wants to be that healer. But like you said, a cleric is, is so much more than that. That is just a feature of, of a cleric. And especially now with where role-playing games have gone, mm -hmm. that's really is only a small part of the class. There's so much more in 5th edition and with what a cleric can be. Yeah, especially if you're talking about pure healing power, the strongest healer is a life cleric one, Lorbard 19, um, in terms of just putting out yeah. health. Um, but yeah, especially if, you, if you're if you not familiar and you haven't played the class. Um, oh, I guess I played Hatch, the tortle life cleric uh, in the other show that, that I did for D&D Beyond, the role in the family that we played with the kids. Um, Side note, I'm lucky enough that I've got to do enough things that I'm starting to lose track of things that I've done, which is weird. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but, well, it's, it's, I'm just a, just fortunate, man. Uh, just, I've, yeah. I've rolled some timely crits in life. Um, but, uh, yeah, especially as you look at the different domains and uh, the different channeling abilities and the things that the different gods bring to the table, um, I am always, like, I, li I like multi-classing. I always have. It's kind of hard to get me to spend 20 levels in one class for just in any system. Um, and even, like, mixing in, like, a little bit, like, cleric paladin mixed for, like, uh, especially if you have, like, a um, uh, worship a, a, a war god uh, and then mix in a little, bit of, a little bit of paladin in there, like, uh, it can be very exciting, very exciting. I also liked your description because all I could think was that scene from Step Brothers. Did we just become best friends? <laughs> yep. Um, because most because most tables don't have that that dissatisfaction if I'm there because that's my mm. go to. I will just take it. And then part of it is just I guess part of it is subverting that expectation yep. that it's only a heal bot because one I'm gonna wear more armor and have a bigger <laughs> shield and just go stand in the middle of it anyways. But then Mitch, I was thinking of like examples of play, but uh, when we fought the Tarrasque, and then I pulled the deck of many things and made an undead Tarrasque and we fought it again, um, I played a war cleric both times and was, yeah, like you were saying, the amount of damage that I could put out as a war cleric, and I think maybe I dipped fighter a little bit, but it was utter insanity. And it's so good and so versatile. Mm -hmm. Very versatile. It is. A, it is. A, I think it's probably second only to Bard in terms of like the chassis that you can take and then make anything out of it. You know. Well, and speaking of that versatility as well, once 
I don't know. There are certain classes where, I mean, really, you can pick any class and create a unique character. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. But with the cleric, it's it almost like paves the way for every cleric to be so so different because step one, okay, I want to play a, a cleric. All right, my class is chosen. But I would mm-hmm. say almost more important is then you go, okay, but who is my cleric going to follow? Who is he going to worship or she going to worship? And that just opens up a whole new amount of doors of like what kind of person am I playing and what do they believe when you go and look at all the different types of gods and honestly within that like who's to say you don't play a a character who is a a pagan worships a, a number of gods as well opening up those doors even further to what kind of person is it that I am going to be role playing yeah, and I would say that's the most important thing about character creation anyway, is to come up with who they are even before the class. Yeah. Um, you know, what's because that character is ultimately what you're going to remember, and that character might be served by a, a dozen different um, mechanical builds under the hood. Um, and I would say also mechanically a big advantage that clerics have is they get their domain at level one when other classes have to wait till two, a lot, oftentimes even three to figure out what their specialty is going to be, you know, right out of the gates. So you could have an all cleric, uh, all cleric game and not just personality wise be different, um, mechanically be different, literally from like the jump, which is nice. And some of the some of the things that in doing research, I mean, first off, the description that it's a fighter plus magic user is is kind of how the original approach was in original D and D. But also looking through some things and how you got spells or where those spells were coming from was a really interesting approach. I think it was second edition where basically like first and second level, that's you. You did that work. You, as the cleric, have that ability within you to cast these. But then third and fourth, oh, well, you're getting it from like a solar. Mm -hmm. And then once you get into these higher levels, then maybe you are actually tapping directly into whatever deity or pantheon that you're serving. Mm -hmm. I was like, first off, that I need to immediately implement this the next time I have a cleric at my table because that's awesome. Um, so yeah, just, just the ways that you can approach it. Because the other thing I thought is it depends on your world. There's, there's no reason why you don't operate. And at your homebrew table, it's a monotheistic culture where it's just one. And again, you're just taking those particular aspects as a cleric. You are a cleric of war, but it is still just that one deity that is all encompassing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, there's there's a, a, a hundred ways to approach it that are all going to be interesting. It's funny, there's a couple of times I've encountered where people played characters that were atheists in in games that clearly they were gods, like clearly. <laughs> like It's like I'm literally raising the dead over here by the power of my deity, and they're like, mm, you're not, though. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, oh, okay, great. I don't know what more it will, what will take to convince you, but okay, you know? Yeah, but those approaches are so good because that inner party conflict, because um, it may be, I mean, I've watched way too much Young Justice. I do a, another podcast about it. So this is why my brain will go there. But the idea that magic exists in that world, it is real. Like magic is real. And you have one character who refuses to believe it and presents a scientific explanation for everything that happens that is clearly magic related. I haven't seen and season three. That- the first two were so good, though. Yes, three is also good and four is on its way mm. just uh, but, calderon that welcome back oh, i was like oh, yeah yes. yeah oh, ah. okay sorry no spoilers kids watch <laughs> young justice if you haven't yet yep mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, the, that conflict and even even the conflict of having the other thing I thought of was two clerics that are either the same, let's say two war clerics again, because I really like war clerics, obviously, but they could both even follow the same deity and have wildly different views on what that means. Oh, yeah. Just like people can follow the same deity and have wildly different ideas of what that means. You know, <laughs> yes. I say as I motion broadly at everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, 100 percent. I, I, I just think um i would say if if you haven't if you haven't done it uh try it and do recognize that that doesn't mean uh that you will be useless and it doesn't make you just the medic you may be the medic medics are important but you don't have to be just the medic and hopefully your dm will toss you some undead and you really get to like you know get sideways with them 
Let's talk. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, that. That last part in like obviously a, a lot of our listeners um, they they may be thinking about like next time they get to play a cleric, but also a lot of our listeners are dungeon masters who mm-hmm. get to pl- uh, play their games with a with a cleric in their uh, amongst their players or mm-hmm. just getting to role play NPCs that are clerics and so. How do you introduce either clerics who uh, are PCs to your adventures, like maybe at the start of an adventure, um, mm-hmm. helping helping those PCs become part of this journey and this story with the rest of the characters? And also, along with that, we can kind of explore how do you introduce clerics as NPCs into your stories and your adventures? I think um, a, a lot of us know that one of the core conceits of this game is the adventuring party doesn't really make sense. Like, the six of us met at a tavern, so let's go on a two-month-long camping trip in hell, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unless Quite you're starting with, like, yeah, yeah you're yeah. sitting down and together you're starting with some, like, we are all part of a guild with the same exact mentality. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> sometimes yeah. it feels like you're you're trying to push everything into uh, <laughs> into yeah. something I, that I, doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ideally, everybody gets a unique, inciting incident, but the reality is, uh, not always. Uh, I with the cleric characters, though, I do ten or any powerful divine character. I lean more on like the dreams and the signs mm-hmm. and the portents and stuff because theoretically, their god does care. And I think it's completely valid if you've got a cleric of Tyr that's about to show up. If the night before everyone has a prophetic dream, because Tyr can do that, hmm. you know, <laughs> and then they meet this person, you know. Um, same things as the NPCs. One of the things that I've really liked playing around with, especially in in recent times, with again motions broadly at everything in the world, is I've had lawful good. I've had lawful good villains. Because the things they were doing were 100% in keeping with both law and good, mm-hmm. but from their point of view, were still terrible. Um, I've also had characters that were evil, but weren't wrong. And then, you know, confronting the characters with those moral quandaries, which I'll say as an aside, my niche is high level storytelling. Level 20 is my jam. Um, and I, I run big groups of me just this weekend. Uh, I'm running um, uh, an all. Uh, Paladins game of level five characters with uh, Mark Mir, Bria Iyengar, uh, Jen Kretschner, and someone whose name I'm forgetting, but we'll look up and know shortly. But hey, by the time you hear this, you can go watch the VOD. I guarantee you it was astonishing. Uh, and I called it the God Squad. There you go. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Devin from uh, Dustin from D4. Uh, that's the fourth person. So it's going to be like four level 20 Paladins. And one of the ways that you challenge large groups is not about power although there's always a a bigger beast it becomes less about what can you do and more about what should you do and um you know uh moral quandaries and the consequences of their actions and when we first did theogony at kairos way back when which is a a level 20 game um i told them i'm like some of you have the power that you know you could summon a tidal wave and wipe out a kingdom like you can you could kill thousands with a spell but after that there's gonna be a refugee crisis we can do about that uh, their allied nations are going to send whole armies against you. And yeah, you probably can destroy that army too. But if you got 10,000 archers all shoot at you, statistically speaking, 2,000 of them are going <laughs> to get 20s and you're going to be dead. So just understand, uh, you know, action and reaction uh, should exist um, in the world. But yeah, that, that, that's what, when, when it comes to introducing those characters, I think just as long as they have a meaningful reason to be there, then it's easy. It's, it's, it's no harder than introducing anything else, at least, you know, for my mind. Well, I think you're absolutely hitting the nail on the head when you're, I mean, the cleric is, is the reasoning in lots of situations for that group to get together and begin the journey that, I mean, cleric, paladin, warlock, these are classes that most players are just by choosing to play them, telling you as the dungeon master, I want to have some sort of interactions with the world beyond mine. And that can come into play with, like you said, the adventure can start from the cleric and the group having a dream sequence or a vision 
from the god that the cleric worships. Or, I mean, you could, if if you want to, you can literally have the voice of that god speak to the mm-hmm. cleric themselves. Um, there's so many ways the cleric can, you can, as the DM, you can describe signs of nature like uh, you, you're, you're, your person you see the wind blowing in this in this direction or the streams all flowing in this direction the stars the planets all seem to align and and that's interesting because in the in the end after the game you can always even have a conversation with your players and go so do you think that that was your god actually pointing you towards towards this adventure or was your cleric just reading looking for signs to bring him into this adventure um, but yeah, the, the cleric is a great class to be that PC that is literally the catalyst to bringing you into whatever adventure you're looking to get into. And I, I will tell you a curveball um, that Chris Lindsay has done with great effect, and I myself have done on occasion, um, is when you have a situation where like all is lost, like death is imminent. You know, the mind flayer has wrapped its tentacles around your head mm-hmm. and is about to eat your brain. That's when you have your moment of divine intervention, uh, where maybe the clerics, maybe the God, and you weren't even a cleric, a God shows up and is like, Hey, so check this out. It seems like you're in a bit of a pinch, literally, um, serve me and I'll get you <laughs> out of this. Or mm-hmm. maybe it's a warlock patron. That is like, hey, I actually don't care what happens to you. I'm the great old one. But, you know, if you want to negotiate, maybe you're mine now. Um, and it, it puts the, or, you know, die. Um, and then the players got some options, and then they have to wrestle with what does that mean about their character if they go down this whole other path. I mean, it, it, we've been blessed with these fantasy worlds where the gods are um, manifest and involved uh, and you might play them alternatively aloof but at least uh they exist enough where you can have them take an active role should you choose to uh not in like a cheap deus ex machina way because for the most part and this is just a general rule of storytelling coincidences that get you into trouble are good coincidences that get you out of trouble are garbage but there's times um, that having literally the hand of God show up um, can be uh, even more fulfilling, especially if it helps them snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. Man, I just had this amazing, as you were talking, that like scene just got painted in my mind of you have a, a, a cleric PC and they're about to die by whatever that doom is, the mind flare, and literally it it the mind flare's mouth is gaping open, the tentacles are wrapped around and everything freezes and they're looking around and literally everything in the area has completely frozen as if time has stopped. And yet there is this glowing being walking around hands behind their back, of course, and just talking calmly, like you said, giving mm-hmm. that, giving that option. But it, I, I love that idea. Even in the sense of you mentioned like level 20 campaigns, like high level if you're getting to that point, especially like a level 20, uh, a high level cleric is going to start to even beyond the God that they worship may start to catch the eye of other gods, maybe even mm-hmm. enemy gods. And so in my mind, I thought maybe this is an enemy God who's saying, come worship me. Your God is not saving you here. Will you turn? And that's a that's a crazy role playing opportunity to give to your player. And they might they might choose death. But mm-hmm. then they've chosen death in that situation, and it's been their mm-hmm. choice. And it's going to feel more glorious for them. Also, mm-hmm. you get bonus points for this if you physically remove the player, like step out of the room mm. with them, you know? No. And then yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. always... Then, then you got the rest of the players going, what is happening? <laughs> yep. Well, well, hey, thank you for this. This... I am also, I guess, fortunate enough to forget games that I've played, but one just came flying back to me, um, and it's the least humble brag I have. <laughs> when I was playing D&D in a castle um, with Satine as my uh, dungeon master, though, that's basically the conversation that we had, that something needed to be sacrificed, and we stepped out, and I gave up all of my cleric power to basically take the next step in a very high level Eberron campaign and then just went forward as kind of a fighter. Um, And so that's, yeah, those conversations totally should happen outside. And there's a lot of, uh, and 
in the world, I will now sweep broadly at everything that is happening. Um, in the world that we now live in, that's actually a lot easier mm-hmm. um, because you're not at a table. You're at a virtual table. And like right now, technically, I could do a breakout room on Zoom. Mm-hmm. We could go have that conversation. We could come back. If you're using Discord, which is um, what I've been doing, you can just have private messages. You can do private group messages. Um, so technology is there for you to definitely facilitate some very interesting things with a lot more games being online. It has definitely made it more better. Yep. And um, I I had um, uh, I, on my Patreon, I run an ongoing uh, level 20 campaign and Tiamat has been a recurring character where originally I had her show up as they, she was going to be an enemy because they're all level 20. And they she showed up as the dark lady originally and they were all just really nice to her. And then she revealed that she's Tiamat, like, aha, you know, and they still were really nice to her. <laughs> and and I had her like read their minds in like they were legitimate, like, you know, no, we kind of feel bad for you. Everybody hates you and you've been nothing but cool to us. Hmm. And so she kind of evolved first into a Dread Pirate Roberts kind of character. Like, it's, I'm going to hang around because I'll just kill you tomorrow. It's fine. And then she ended up being more like the master, like this, like more mischievous counterforce. In her whole thing all the time is like I keep having her make just the most painfully astute observations about people being hypocrites and like, <laughs> where's Bahamut? He's stupid. I'm right here. Do you see him? Nowhere. Look at that. Starving people. They worship him. Do any of my worshippers starve? No. You know, like every time. And they keep wanting to be like, no, you're Tiamat. We're not listening to you, except you're right. Like again. Oh. Oh my you know? gosh. And uh, what like an amazing, like, Again, one of my favorite things to do is, like, after a campaign, like, have, like, in-depth conversations with my players about what has occurred during the campaign. And that's, I mean, that's just throwing, like, you you can just go along with with um, whatever fantasy setting and just go, this is how it is and this is how it's going to be. Or you can go, yeah, this is how it is because this is how it's perceived. But what if we flip this on its head and for your players to be in a place where they're they're seeing that and their their PCs are seeing that and getting given these choices to be like I I suppose I can choose the route of this is how everybody has always gone in the history of this world but this doesn't seem to add up what I'm what I'm experiencing and so do I choose a whole different path like like your players are are being given in that campaign that's fantastic yeah uh, you know, it's one of those. I, I've been very neck deep in this whole like recent, um, you know, criticism of the portrayal of race and things in D and D. And I was quite public about the fact that any correlation between race and morality is problematic. Um, and the thing you always got to remember: if you have an intelligent creature, it's got free will, and because it's got free will it can do what makes sense at the time. Uh, If your storytelling is falling back on, it does what it does because it's evil, Mm -hmm. that's lazy storytelling. Or it does what it does because it's good. That's lazy storytelling. Um, Because you also have to remember the villains are the heroes of their story. Mm -hmm. To them, they are doing the right thing. Um, So you have to see it through the lens of what would an intelligent creature do here? And that is how you breathe uh, both not just NPCs, but also monsters um, that are living, breathing, engaging things versus just another miniature that you put out and they're like, oh, okay, we're fighting a chimera, who cares type thing. Um, you know, make the chimera agoraphobic, you know? Make the make you know make the chimera particularly incensed by the color green, you know. Uh, make the you know the make the chimera lonely, you know. Um, and and see where it goes. And uh, you still might end up fighting, but you know it, it it will add a a a layer of like depth and nuance and richness that I think a lot of times people overlook. And there's no greater place to do that. No greater platform than a, between a cleric and their deity. That all yep. of a sudden they're learning new things about the deity that they they didn't s- start this path knowing mm-hmm. well and i think and i think the the one of the greatest opportunities that you have as a dungeon master having a cleric at your table is you get to learn new things about that deity mm-hmm. um your prime example of having tiamat and then it 
Tiamat developing into this thing that kind of falls completely outside. And then to speak even more to what you had just brought up was the external factors are what is important to the individual. What has happened to them and around them are what shape them. That's that's the whole point of everything. Like also words mean things. Like so the way things are written are super important. Um, but what happens to your characters develops them. What's happening to that deity develops them as well. So then you're having this back and forth interaction and all of that, first off, like I said, is so much fun because I can still imagine just being there like with that mind flayer wrapped around and just being, oh, this sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, we can talk about it or we cannot. I, I, I couldn't care less. I just thought I'd pop in, see how you're doing. Um, and then just going going through that. So like, having that there is just so, so much fun. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, if, if you're old enough um, to have experienced getting to know your parents as people, uh, that's one of those things, you know, the first time that you can see past mom and dad to like, oh, you're a dude, you know, and like, <laughs> I love you, but like, you know, maybe we like the same things or maybe we don't like the same things. Like I can relate to you as a person. I can see a cleric's trajectory being similar in the sense that it, you're like, you're this iconic force that, you know, I tremble in the face of to maybe you never get past that point, especially as you increase in power, but you start to have a relationship and know them that should play out at the table. I have a question that I want to ask you guys based off of this whole conversation. I wanted to ask this question to begin with, but I feel like this whole conversation of a, a, a deity being different than we as even the DMs like think about them and read about them, right? Like going into a game... With that, I feel like that brings a whole nother level into this question. So this question I want to ask is something that I think has been been a question since the beginning of role-playing games. And I think that honestly, uh, it has caused probably more difficulty between DMs and players than anything else. If we were to look at like if there was a, a, a chart talking about stats, that's probably what I would imagine it would come down to. And that's... You got a cleric, and you have a cleric who can, who gets their powers from a deity. That leaves the question of, can they ever lose their powers, or can their powers come like go away for a certain amount of time? So I guess the question that I want to ask is, if you're placed in the in the seat of a DM, like, would you ever do that? And if so, when and why and how would you do that? How how do you go about doing that if the answer is yes? I mean, absolutely yes. I think the, the God's got things it wants. Uh, if you are very much acting contrary to those things, I, I think that can definitely be an issue. Um, uh, again, I believe it was Pathfinder that you know the the idea of being an ex cleric or an ex paladin and having to go through this path of, of atonement was very much a part of the game. Mm. Um, not so much in Five E, and I wouldn't come about it um, lightly. I think I would make sure the player knew yeah. um, that they were doing something in direct defiance uh, with the deity's wishes. Similar to how Neil was saying he had to sacrifice his power for something. Um, but yeah, 100% it could be done because that's the, you know, the word is the gods giveth and they taketh away, hmm. you know, so how, 100%. How would you go about, like, giving indication that that was going to happen? Would it be a, a DM to player conversation or would you role play through it somehow? No, I'd role play through it. Yeah, I, uh, yeah I'd role play through it. Give them a sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because... It goes back to also establishing how you want power to be administered, because if you go back to the place where um, first and second level spells are you and third level spells are this. So then did you just drop off the last Mm. couple ones? Because that's totally possible. The other is that um, if it's a long term thing, because this also happened because I. So in that same game, we also went back in time. So I also had warlock levels. Um, So I didn't I couldn't do that anymore because my patron didn't exist. Um, but so then you could still have that power, but now you don't have access to any more because if that, so that deity could have given you in essence, given you, let's say fifth level spells, but you have no avenue by the, or rather not that same avenue by which to obtain sixth level spells. Um, so there's a lot of ways that you can, it, it kind of all depends on how you're giving it to them as to how you could then also take it away. Um, and again, it's just 
rife with possibility. I would just say I definitely would make it I would make it a plot point that paid off though. I wouldn't make it just a hand slap like you yeah, did a thing a that I punishment. didn't like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. 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 It definitely would become, you know, part of an arc or a trajectory yeah. uh, that then, you know, that character would have to adjust accordingly. Because yeah. again, I I think that is compelling a character that had all these ranks in cleric that suddenly is a fighter. Mm-hmm. You know? That you're or, like, mm-hmm. or you, if if you have a player who they completely go the opposite way, like I mean, as the DM, you have the power to then introduce another god that maybe they they take up worship of. I feel like the reason it's got like like people cringe when they hear about that is because perhaps players and DMs have not been on the same page uh, in in their experiences in the past. And it hasn't, it hasn't been for some, for some players an experience where the DM was trying to, like you said, weave a better narrative and bring that, that character and that player to a point where they're satisfied in that story even more so. And it has just for some people been, like you said, a hand slap and that's not, I mean, we're not sitting as dungeon masters to to punish our players because they didn't role play the way we wanted them to role play. That's just ridiculous. I mean, you shouldn't, but you know, some people get hung up, <laughs> get hung up in power yeah. tripping. And like, yep. this, this isn't this isn't always true. But I have found uh, the canary in the coal mine is when someone is like, "I'm a consequences DM." It's like. <laughs> that or uh, oh yeah i love dungeon mastering i could just i, I just don't have a group right now because i <laughs> and i go yeah. well did you move or did they <laughs> all leave the table yeah yeah <laughs> you know it's it's not it's not it's not you know always that but it, yeah that, certainly it's don't it's yeah. a flag though it's <laughs> yeah. like boom i'm like oh, okay hold on yeah let me take a closer look at this guy yeah, yeah. no i i agree yeah and that hand slap gives that because I, I envisioned that hand slap and just doing it and my thought would be you're trying to you're trying to rest, you're trying to obtain those spells back, and you feel like that's not happening. But you're already in that that headspace as that cleric, and then trying to have that communion with whatever deity and then having that conversation because then that also you get to have that like in-game conversation of the expectations of both sides the the expectations of that deity and that expectations of that cleric and then going back to the idea of that parent as a person relationship and then you're you're developing so much more on both sides and that hand slap as it were all happened in a rest period and then you and then you move forward and I mean, again, at the end of the day, it should advance the narrative. You know, it, it's it's a collaborative art, so um, you should be getting something out of it. The story should be going forward. You should be um, better off for it and more excited because of it. You know, oh, man. especially at a, a level up, mm-hmm. and then having that conversation and being like, okay, I understand as the deity where you're coming from. I'm going to reinvest in you as as someone who is following me and then have that be part of the level up process. I love that. 100% agree. <laughs> oh, here's the ninth level spell. Game's broken. Have fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nope. It's like uh, make sure make sure you call down the meteor swarm on the right people. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. For the record, there is no wrong people to call the meteor swarm down on. <laughs> Let me just put that out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Too many players out there would definitely agree with you. <laughs> I said what I said, Internet. I said what I said. Uh, oh, so so many dead town guards. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Arrows to the knee, meteor swarms to the head. Oh, man. Meteor, uh, meteor swarm would lay out a lot of mortals, man. A lot of level zeros get lit up by a meteor swarm. So maybe to wrap this this section up, is there a time that you remember, whether you were a player or a dungeon master, where uh, let's maybe focus on like the NPCs that there was a there was an important either NPC and why were they important to a campaign, or even just a a moment or a section of a story where clerics became important, um, and why was that? I think in, in particularly in low magic campaigns where or not low magic campaigns but lower level campaigns where the ability to raise dead exists but none of you have it you know 
looking looking for a cleric. Hmm. Uh, I know for me, um, when we first went to Wildmount on um, Beyond Heroes, and uh, the we got there right after the the big battle at, at the temple that had happened on uh, on Critical Role, and freely saw all these dead priests. Um, he wanted to help just because like it, it didn't matter whether or not they believe what he believed, they believe something, you know? Uh, and so he's like, this is especially bad. This was like, he reacted more like this was like destroying fine art. Um, but it was kind of, uh, the, his place there. Um, so I, I think if, if they need them initially in a transactional sense, like please resurrect my friend, but that converts into, uh, something else, some some sort of debt is owed that they have mm-hmm. to like do something for the temple that then becomes an adventure hook, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to do, you know, not necessarily so much just having them show up and preach, but having them show up to to do something. Also, letting them get worked by a cleric is good too. <laughs> when they uh, when they underestimate it, you know, yeah. In a game that we played, uh, one the only available temple with the, kind of the the level of spells that we're talking about wasn't necessarily a, a good one, and then that player was kind of permanently tied to that deity because they kind of had to give up something to get that back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then there were random side quests that they did without the rest of the group, and things were happening, and the rest of the group was like, huh what is happening and then that continued story arc both for that player and the group as a whole well i won't i won't spoil this for people that haven't read dungeons and dragons a dark and wish all the way to to the end although you should it's available now mm-hmm. um uh, that's sort of what happens to helene you know uh, a god offers her power for revenge and then things happen yeah that's uh that's all i'll say about that <laughs> You can check it out on comicsology.com. It's available on comicsology.com. Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> The Dark and Wish. I mean, and you guys have mentioned now a couple of times something that we we hardly even touched upon is the fact that, especially if you have a cleric uh, PC, then the temple or the church, uh, the organization, the group of believers that they affiliate with, like therein lies a whole bunch of NPCs that, or one very important one that they, uh, they answer to that is now something that you as a DM can introduce. But even in the sense of, oh, you, you're you starting a journey and, uh, oh, your your characters, well, yeah, none of them are, are clerics, but do they worship a god? Well, they might want to go and ask uh, a, a cleric, a priest, for a blessing for this yep. journey, for this adventure they are going on, for uh, a prayer before they go into battle. Uh, there's when you're When you're in a fantasy world, where, uh, like was said at the very beginning, there are clear and present signs that the gods are there like the raising of dead. It would make a lot of sense for characters who worship gods to themselves to go and want to have some sort of prayer or blessing uh, or hymn saying before they go off and do something important. All, uh, all, all still valid ways. And just as an aside, I mean, remember there's wizard colleges and bard colleges too. Mm. You know, there, there's, there's all sorts of um, uh, other structures and power schemes to plug people into, as long as it's interesting. Yes. Um, you know, because it, it used to be back in the day, it, it was just the thieves guilds. You know, I'm <laughs> dating myself in the editions that I've played. Spoiler alert: literally all of them. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, the, those things are all interesting. That these people aren't just kind of quirks tossed on a wave of chaos. You know, sometimes they're a string of nets tossed on a sea of chaos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. So we'll jump into the one of my favorite parts of the episode, where we call it homework. It's the best thing. It's the best kind of homework, where it's just examples of things that you could read, that you could watch, that you could interact with to kind of get some more ideas about how to do all the stuff we're talking about. Um, I don't know if you've heard recently, but A Darkened Wish is currently available on comicsology.com and you should read it. You should read it, yes. By the the individual issues and the trade paperback, yes. (laughs) Yeah, maybe you like it on Amazon and you do want to trade paperback, it's there as well. Because technically Amazon owns Comixology. Welcome. Your friendly local game shop, if you can get to it, buy it there too. They need your help, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, curbside pickup. Come on, get it together. 
Uh, that derailed me more than a little. Uh, so do, does, My does anyone else have? <laughs> ah, does anyone else have? It's really the distracting nature of the ascot that you're wearing. I know you put it on, and nobody can see you, it. You but. know, I'm glad. I'm glad it worked. I got something out of this, man. Like this powdered wig is heavy. <sighs> oh. Yeah. Oh, I started I started sweating just <laughs> the idea of a powdered wig. But the does anyone else have other movies or anything that we're going to toss out as examples that we can pull um, on clerics? Honestly, Gandalf. Gandalf's mm. way more cleric than a wizard. Mm. You look at what he actually does, the spells he actually casts. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then having and having that that interaction, that level up, all of those, that entire mm-hmm. arc. Yeah. And when you dive into the mythology of Middle-earth, he literally was chosen by the gods to go out and help the people of Middle-earth, so... Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is is there a more cleric thing than being like, hey, everybody, get out of here. I'm going to fight this demon. Also, it's because I don't want <laughs> you guys fools. to get the experience points so that I can level up and you don't. Exactly. But... <laughs> I'm going to 1v1 the Balrog, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yep. we're, we're throwing it back to older and editions. And then right there. resurrection, right? So. Mm-hmm. There it is. <laughs> yep. He went through time and space and all that. And then he has like a magic light that the Nazgul can't stand in front of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My homework mm-hmm. is is not media or a book to check out, but uh, it's an it's an activity to do. Uh, if you're you have a player that chooses to be a cleric, or you are choosing to be a cleric yourself in a campaign, um, one thing that we didn't talk about was was songs of praise and worship that can go to a deity that I think clerics would absolutely know and have be part of uh, their their activities of singing hymns and songs of praise. So go and look up like some old old hymns uh, and take them, take get inspired by them, change the words around, make them to whatever deity it is that your uh, your player uh, is uh, going to have their uh, character. Uh, follow and create a, a hymn for either that all his order sing or uh, her order sing, or it can be if you're a, you're the that player themselves that you can go and make your own hymns. That'd be sweet. Far over the misty mountains <laughs> cold. Yes. You have you have certainly uh, made your your Lord of the Rings <laughs> fandom. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. Uh, I mean, hey, I would say without those books, none of this would be happening. So mm-hmm. there you go. That's true. That's re- that is very true. I would say uh, read more deities. Uh, go outside whatever your normal is. Uh, if if you want to go pick up the Odyssey, the Odyssey of Theros, just to see oh, man, how the someone stuff so, in that is fantastic. Yeah, someone else approaches it. Another really good thing is looking up uh, deity. Uh, usually on like the let, let's say you play in Forgotten Realms, that's kind of a go-to. Looking up what they were like through the different ed- editions and getting a vibe on just like how deities develop over time, even si- in inside of a pre-written campaign kind of thing. Uh, I, I also would say too, when when you're aware of um, when when you're thinking about these deities and you know mythology, Greek mythology, a lot of times they were very precocious and very human. Yeah, just ask mm. yourself what what does an infinite force of nature really want with something? Like a lot of the stories I tell end up involving vampires. Weird, I know. <laughs> and um, <laughs> a lot of times when I have the oldest ones, I usually don't portray them as cruel. I portray them as indifferent. It's not that they just don't care. It's like your life is a flash into them you know it's, it's like I, when you've been alive 800 years like you don't care what a 20 year old has to say about anything and it doesn't mean that you're going to go out of your way to hurt them but it also doesn't mean you're not going to go out of your way to help them either it's just they're literal leaves on the wind you know um so you know why are the the deities the way they are and it is more than just i'm evil yeah because it's like well i mean again to me the continuum to good to evil, both in the game and also in life, is a continuum from selflessness to selfishness, you know? Uh, whether or not you care more about the good of others or the good of yourself, and then, you know, behave accordingly. So, um, and the gods uh, should be the same way. That's, uh, that analogy about the leaf of the wind. 
because you can that's how i mean if you think about it and me looking at a bunch of leaves on the wind like for the most part i'll never care but there might be that one leaf for reasons i don't even maybe understand that just draws my attention and then i focus on it for more than any other leaf um so where can people go to find more from B. Dave Walters online. Um, it sounds like quite literally anywhere might get us some. Yo, like there's a non-zero chance. Honestly, you can Google like anything and I'm probably like around. Um, no, Twitter is the best place at B. Dave Walters. Um, by the time you hear this, that probably be done crowdfunding for the documentary, but uh, it, other news will be coming out about that. I. I, I, let's, let's just see, let's just, in, in the time of the pandemic, just off the top of my head, in no particular order, uh, we crowdfunded and raised the Electropunk, the graphic novel that I wrote and co-created, so that's coming out, uh, by now, hopefully, uh, we'll have the back end set up where you can still pledge for that if you like, it's a graphic novel coming, um, have done season two of Dungeons and Dragons of Dark and Wish, did, uh, season two of Long Beach by Night, did, uh, Battle Lords was before the the pandemic hit. I'm doing Outbreak Undead right now. I'm doing Silver and Steel right now. Doing a metric ton of Patreon. Doing Ascension, Dungeons and Dragons, The Dark and Wish, uh, Rage Across New York, uh, and Aegon Adventures on Sunday on uh, Bard and the Barbarian. So just follow me on Twitter. Even I don't know what I'm going to be doing a month from now. <laughs> and nobody's more surprised by all of this than me. Trust me. Like j- yesterday, yesterday I did ADR for the first time on a TV show that I shot last year. So, you know, that's, I don't just, ugh, man, champagne problems. That's what I have to say, <laughs> yep. dear listeners, champagne problems. Done. Well, thank you for coming <laughs> on, you spending so some time with us. Yes. And talking or calling all clerics, calling all clerics. See, so, yeah, again, I'm, I'm calling my old paladin game this Saturday, <laughs> which you should go watch the VOD for, because I promise you it was incredible. Uh, the God squad. So yeah, that's, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad, uh, that, that I didn't walk in here. Cause that would have been awkward. That would have been awkward. That would have been like, I wore the same powdered tux as one of you. Had. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we hope that you can come back on the show sometime in the future and, grace us with your presence and it sounds like maybe we should just do a do another episode then on paladins for the future episode uh <laughs> you know can, can we call it palin around because if so i'll commit to it right now absolutely oh. we'll call it palin around yeah yeah done Boom. it's in writing <laughs> there it is it's done it's on the internet it's been said three times it's canon <laughs> We want to thank B. Dave Walters once again for joining us on this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block. If you have worked together with your players who are clerics or created a fantastic NPC that is a cleric and use them in a special way and you want to write into us and tell us about it, we would love that. You can write to us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. If you like this episode or any other episode of the Dungeon Master's Block, also feel free to head over to the podcast app of your choice and leave us a review. We appreciate that, and it always goes a long way to helping us reach other people. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMs block. Or you can head over and like our Facebook page. Both of those places are great places to go if you want updates about the show. We have a Patreon member shout-out of the week, and this week's Patreon member shout-out goes to... Doc Von Braun! Doc Von Braun is, first of all, a fantastic name, second of all, a silver dragon. So thank you so much, Doc, for supporting us, for supporting this show, for supporting all of the Block Party Podcast Network. We super appreciate it. As always, the Dungeon Master's Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network. Check out other shows like We're So Bad at Adventuring, Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, Detentions and Dragons, and more. But that's all that we have for you on this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all other people at the table. I'm your host, DM Mitch, reminding you to always 
keep on dungeon mastering. Goodbye.